This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 129 of Horsemanship Radio, brought to you by Omega Fields, the world's best omega-3 supplements for horses. Horsemanship Radio is a part of the family of the Horse Radio Network, and today we have three women, woohoo, three women, all in the same discipline. This is Debbie Laux, and you're listening to the Horsemanship Radio. Thanks for joining us. Horsemanship Radio airs on the 1st and the 15th of the month. I have my producer, as always, Jen, with me today. Hi, Jen. Greetings, Debbie. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you. I can't wait to get people into this episode. This is really fun. You know, with you and me and Barb and Sandy in June, it makes five. It's a lot of party. It's, it's a girl's day. Very much so. Yeah. <laughs> it is. And, and these, these girls have, they've not just started this in their basement last week. They have been around. They, we are talking Hall of Famers in this group. We're talking people that have been able to make a, a living with horses their entire working career, pretty much. And, um, and but. They've even branched into other things. And guess what? It deals with helping people. And that doesn't surprise me. These women are nurturers and, and great teachers and patient souls and, and horse lovers, too. Let's get right to it. And we're going to get to hear from Barbara and Sandy right after this from Omega Fields. Hi, Joe Camp here to share about Omega Fields. Omega Fields exists to help you keep your first promise to the horses you love, to care for them well. Nutrition is the foundation of a healthy life and supports all the activity that brings you and your horse so much joy. Omega-3s from flax are the cornerstone of that foundation. So, coupled with the finest ingredients and their proprietary pure glean flax stabilization process, they created Omega Horseshine, Omega Horseshine Complete, Omega Nibblers, Low Sugar and Starch, Omega Antioxidant, and Proventum Probiotic Soft Treats. Thousands of horses are experiencing a vibrant life with the help of Omega Fields products, including all of ours, a part of helping you keep your promise to your friends. Nutrition for a healthy life isn't just their slogan. It's their purpose. Barbara Schulte's journey began on her parents' farm in southern Illinois with 400 horses. Throughout her life and horse adventures, Barbara has always been driven by a singular passion to help riders grow their confidence. She's a personal performance coach, a cutting horse trainer, publisher of online programs, clinician, author, and speaker. She's an honoree in the National Cowgirl Hall of Fame and in the National Cutting Horse Association Members Hall of Fame. She was awarded the National Female Equestrian of the Year, awarded by the AQHA, the American Quarter Horse Association, and the Women's Sports Foundation. Barbara lives with her husband, Tom, and their horses, two dogs, and Snickers, the cat in Brenham, Texas. Sandy Collier is also with us. They'll be doing this interview together. Sandy Collier started her lifelong career with horses on the East Coast, riding and showing three-day eventing horses. Some people don't know that about her. In 1972, she moved to California and began her transition to Western ranch life and cow horses. In 1993, Sandy became the first and only woman to ever win the prestigious National Reined Cow Horse Snaffle Bit Fraternity in 2001. 
And then in 2011, she was inducted into the Cowgirl Hall of Fame and in 2013 became a member of the NRCHA's Hall of Fame. Sandy is also a triple a triple a rated judge uh, international clinician she's the author of the book reigning essentials and has a series of horse training dvds that people enjoy well welcome i have two legends on the phone and that does not mean you're old that means you are really great at what you do i've got barbara schulte and sandy collier and i am just so happy sandy to have you back on how are you i'm fine thank you and i'm very happy to be here Good to have you. And I love that we get to meet Barbara right here, too. I I don't think we've ever spoken. Have we, Barbara? No, no, no. So I am delighted and honored and grateful that you didn't say veteran legend because that makes okay, it even there you older. Go. That, that sounds old. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. And you're not. You ladies are amazing. I mean, you have the energy of three of some of these youngsters that I've seen out there trying to make a living at this, but you not only make a living in the things that a lot of us wish we could do, uh, but maybe we're not willing to put the sacrifice in to do it because you are, but you also are having fun doing it. And I love that you two get together and, and do it together and you create these journeys for other horsemen and women, mostly women. Yeah. Uh, yeah, to participate in that journey that you're on. And, I, you know, I just had to have you on so that I could ask questions that I think there must be thousands of us out there who wish they could ask you. So I'm going to try to be that person for them uh, and, you know, get to know a little bit about the inside of a Sandy Collier and a Barbara Schulte who are so amazing with your horses because I have a feeling that your physiology and your approach to horses is very calm and is um, very learned. So I'm going to start with Barbara. And I read so much about you to get ready for this, and it's just been a treat. And one of the things that you both talk about, but I'll ask Barbara in this case, is that you your goal, your aim is to become a better partner with your horse. And and to understand how a horse learns and how to most effectively communicate with him so that he's willing and responsive and relaxed. Now, I know you can write a book about that, but could you give mm-hmm. us a, a response of what that means to you? Yes. You know what's so interesting to for me, Debbie, personally, is that as a younger trainer, it seemed like early on, I was trying to get a horse to do what I wanted him or her to do because of what we wanted to accomplish in the arena. And now after, you know, years of experience and hopefully more and more wisdom, I realized that it's really my responsibility to understand more and more, which is a never ending, you know, quest for understanding how a horse thinks, how they communicate, what helps them to be confident in that ultimately our job, just like I believe in teaching of people, is to set the stage for them to be confident and to be able to understand what we're asking them. Mm-hmm. So I, I just, the partnership part has so much more meaning to me now and almost feels much more responsible on my side, you know, that I'm the one that's in charge of figuring out what makes each horse tick because of course each horse is, 
is its own personality, just like we are. So I, I, that's a pretty broad, sweeping answer. But I think it's really making that connection with the horse and having it be all about the horse and, and building their confidence and being sequential in, and consistent and asking them for a little bit, little bit, little bit and understanding when they give it to me and releasing them again, always building their confidence. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure, Sandy, you're on the same plane with Barbara and that? Very much so. My uh, my equine superpower is, is so much mm-hmm. like Barb's. I'm, I'm a continuous student of the horse. Mm-hmm. I, I'm always studying them and trying to find better ways to help them understand and, and to communicate with them. I feel like how they learn is fairly simple. You know, they they want to move toward comfort and familiarity and they move away from discomfort and fear, hard work. So the trick, of course, is to apply that. And, and that requires a lot of creativity on, on our part because, like Barb said, mm-hmm. they're very highly developed individuals and what works on one horse doesn't necessarily work on another. Right. So, you know, we're we're trying to get them to crave doing things that are, you know, basically unnatural for them to do. And, yeah. and so it's all about, you know, making what you want easy and rewarding. And um, like Barb said, the release is so important because they learn from the release and not from the pressure. So right. rewarding every small try is, is so important and building that foundation step-by-step. Step. And if they get confused, going back to the very last thing that they understood and did well, and then just mm-hmm. inching forward incrementally and, you know, finding different ways to explain things to them and setting them up for success. That's the very most important thing that we can do to help them find the release and the reward rather than forcing it. And, and mm. what I've learned in the, oh my God, 50 years that I've been training horses is that there is always a way to do this. Mm. But we just have to, we just have to figure it out. And that's our job. That's your job to, to, to pull those to layers back. Yeah. And find yeah. that. And you, I mean, that was so profound too. I, I love that you say, take the pressure off to reward them. And, and uh, so they can realize that point. And I love that you said your superpower too. It, you know, that's, or we're looking for our superpowers. Tell me about being the first and only woman to ever win the National Rain Cow Horse Snaffle Bit Fatui. I mean, that must have felt the confidence that it took, or did it build your confidence? I don't know. Did that become a superpower then, or when did you feel that? You know, that was just such a unique and incredibly special event in my journey, and it's been so long now. But oh. I, I can I can remember it like it was yesterday. Uh-huh. But that was a really important step in my in my career and in my you know growth as a person and a horse trainer. And and I'm really grateful that all the stars aligned that day on that great horse, and that I had the clients that I had that, that bought let me buy that horse. And it just was one of those um, amazing things of stars aligning and everything being in the right place at the right time. Amazing. Well, you've really, you've really put the uh, women on the map. And I hate to say that because it makes it sound like we jumped out of a kitchen or something, but, but (laughs) you know, those, those strategic (laughs) moments can really change the trajectory of of a discipline. So I think it must've been an amazing moment. Barbara, tell us about this. I think we're kind of getting to this deeper understanding of a mind, body, emotion connection uh, between what you Mm -hmm. two teach. Yeah. Tell us Mm -hmm. a little bit more about Mm -hmm. that. Well, Debbie, as I evolved in my uh, training career and showing career. 
I just had this natural attraction and craving. I love that word craving, craving to understand what was the difference between those who were consistently successful and those who were not. Because I noticed early on in my horse training career that often the same people were successful, but they weren't always on the same horse or they always, they weren't always on the best horses. And I was like, there's something going on here. And so by stars aligning, as Sandy was saying, and, and my past, I was shown the work of a man named Dr. Jim Lair. And that's when I got really deep into personal performance and what makes Olympic and professional athletes who are at the top of their game, all the research they did at the Human Performance Institute. And I just, I just fell in love with that. So I had a dual, dual track of, you know, training horses and studying for my own performance initially, and then sharing it with others. And basically the premise of the mind, body, emotion connection is that even though we think of our riding in terms of technical skills, which of course they are, like how you apply a cue, a rain cue, or a seat cue, or a foot cue, and we must know those sequences and those how-tos. But it's the feel, and everyone who rides always wants to get the feel, the emotion that we feel as we do that, whether we feel calm, whether we feel confident, whether we feel clear in what we're about to do, whether we're clear about what we want our horse to do so we can release, all of those abilities to train our mind and our emotions, our mind to be focused and our, our emotions to be calm so that we it's like we don't have any static, you know, we don't have this anxiety, we don't have a fear of what other people are thinking, including the judge. We're just mm-hmm. so totally immersed in this connection with the horse and the job at hand. All of those things are so tied together that actually when we feel calm and focused, it's what allows us to do our to perform our technical skills. Okay. Easy to say, Barbara, but yeah, tell me how you get, is that breathing or what are you doing to kind of get control over that? Yes. So that's the thing that excites me so much Ah, because the tools, the tools are so tangible. They really are concrete. They sound esoteric, but there are things like just the simplicity of our eyes being up, which everyone knows that our eyes, that their eyes should be up, but still eyes fall which right. always connects to a negative emotion of insecurity or distraction or fear. Um, but just by talking to yourself, which is another tool, okay. you know, eyes up, eyes up, which eyes up is a physical coaching yourself and planning your, what you say, keep eyes up, barbs, keep your eyes up, breathe, breathing, eyes up, posture, yeah. um, and what we say to ourselves and combining those tools in a planned way, in a connected way within a pattern or within a cutting run or within a dressage test yes. is a skill. 
Mm-hmm. And most of us have never learned how to do that. But when we learn it, when we learn about those skills, it's just jet propels the technical skills to become more consistent. Right. So this is what allows your technical skills to come to life in the show pen. Exactly. Yeah. Love exactly. it. Exactly. Love it. And Sandy, did you, did you learn this in the, in your own hours, your own contemplation time or is this something did you go to a lot of coaches over the years is this something you can't do for yourself you can't internalize it is it something that somebody has to point out to you from outside the ring I I think that excuse me anybody can learn it might take three or four lifetimes to learn (laughs) all of the um the the ways that you can coach yourself and and coach yourself in the positive and and do the things that Barb's talking about and um, and I think it might take three lifetimes because Jim Lair is just an amazing, yes, amazing man. Yes, you're but right. since he's already invented the wheel, it, okay. <laughs> you know, it's so much simpler to go right yeah. to the source and get all that information. And so that's exactly what Barb did, which is so amazing. And yes, I, I sort of accumulated some of that along my path, but I've learned so much more since Barb and I have been doing our clinics and retreats. Because because now I feel like I sort of have a I'm, I'm hooked into that main line and I've read a lot of Jim's books and it's just it's just made all the difference in the world. It's the thing that I really like about it is it's not just a skill that works for the horses. It's it's yeah. a way of life and and it's there's those skills that you can apply to your daily life and that's that's why I get excited about it. Yeah, that's really cool and interesting, Barb. I. I wanted to find just a an example of this email that you've sent that I guess you're you're going to be making I'm hoping into a journal or a book or something someday and but I've been privileged to be on that list um which is going away but I I chose one today just thinking this might come up and I want to read it to you these are daily thoughts that Barbara has sent out to us in our inboxes and it's called just for today and it says It never, ever really works to hurry. Hurrying feels like frenzy. It shows up in my body in jerky moments. Today, I'm not going to hurry. Instead, I pause when I begin to speed up on the inside. I make sure I'm at ease before I begin the next step. Even when I have to move quickly, I take a breath. I slow down on the inside. My horse is going to love this. I love that. And it's expressing, (laughs) I think, what you guys are both talking about. Am I right? Yeah. Yes. It's because a feeling of calmness and a feeling of of slowing down on the inside is not the same as how the speed at which we move on the outside, if that sure. makes sense. Because when the original research was done at the Human Performance Institute, they found that when that, that one thing that was consistent is that no matter what the different athletes in different sports were doing and how complex they were and how fast they were doing them, they all felt very slow on the inside. Mm-hmm. And that that is always preceded by an entering, you know, before you begin the activity of consciously, that's one of the skills of slowing down. And what happens as we learn these skills and understand what's so, like what the most important steps are, 
which one of them is to be able to recognize how we're feeling at any point in time and to change it by breathing or thinking a different thought or keeping our eyes up, then we actually manage our emotions. And for example, when we ride our horses, the ritual that we do prior to entering the arena, it's having that feeling of feeling calm, very focused, yet like, let's go, I'm ready, mm-hmm. is so powerful. And it's fun. We and like it's that. Fun. It's fun. Like it's Sandy was saying, too. it's fun. Yeah, exactly. And if you notice that we haven't even talked much, if at all, about your discipline. You ride rain cow horses and cutting horses and ranch horse versatility horses. And we haven't mentioned really a thing about the cow work or cutting or it. it, Mm -hmm. This is something that any horseman can take away from your knowledge base. Am I right? Yes, absolutely. Because these are, they're called performer skills that were were originally developed and the idea is it the original purpose was so that olympic and professional athletes when they were on the mound in the world series or when they were at the olympics that they could perform at their best and not leave their best in another meet or another game that they had a way to call up their very best at any moment And so that's what it's really all about is the ability to call on this ability to focus and be calm and be clear when we ride. And so that has no barriers of discipline. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So Sandy, how did you both come to partner up on these clinics and and who are these clinics for that you guys do together? Well, I guess I can take the, the, the part about what you know who they're for first and then I can okay. talk about we can go backwards but <laughs> Barbara and I just we both love cows are we love this journey we love horses and we love cows and so Barb's um, been a cutting horse trainer and I've been a rain cow horse and reining trainer and so during a, a dinner that we had right before the annual cowgirl hall of fame induction with several other women that are in the cowgirl hall of fame we got talking about women and horses and learning and Barb and I were both really excited about the possibility of doing something. We hadn't decided to do it together, but doing something where we could help share the things that horses had taught us and, mm-hmm. and our journey. And, and so as the conversation went on, we decided to uh, partner up. And so um, having so many different skills on the table has allowed us to have a really broad appeal yeah, we um, we have a pretty good following of cow horse uh, people, versatility, reining, cutting, uh, and and just people that compete on horses that are are not necessarily uh, discipline specific because mm-hmm. the mental skills piece. Yeah, and um, and er- I mean, who doesn't want more confidence? Right. You know, and who exactly. doesn't who doesn't want to be able to go to a horse show and judge themselves by their own scorecard and feel good about something, even if they didn't mark well, you know, feel good about their show and good because they went there to do a certain thing and, and they did that. And so therefore they won, you know, they were a winner. I mean, who doesn't want to feel that? So, so we really, we've had a a really broad appeal, but the cows are probably the most common, common denominator um, 
in our clinics and retreats. And so, so from there, it just sort of unfolded organically that we would have um, clinics where we taught the technical skills, the mental skills, mm-hmm. and then kind of wove in some personal meaning because like Dr. Lair says, that it, it, if, you, if you don't have integrity in your life, it doesn't matter how good you are at your technical skills, you will not be able su- to sustain success. You you will take a tumble. You'll you know Tiger Woods. Look at look at all the big athletes. Yeah, have lost yeah. their integrity, mm-hmm. and that's and they're remembered for that, not for how how great a yeah. golfer, how great a tennis player they are. And so, it's really important that to Barb and myself that people really develop that peace in themselves, so that they can sustain their success and and always feel good about what they're accomplishing. And so that's what our clinics are about. And then. And then we sort of from there developed our retreat theme, which is more about connection and, and the personal meaning piece. Mm-hmm. But again, it's horses. It's our love of horses. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and those are the people that are attracted to it. Um, but it's, it's much less on the technical skills. So we, we really have a pretty broad offering in, the, in our two different venues. Mm. Our retreats are not discipline specific at all. You know, we have the dressage riders. We have jumpers we have barrel racer you know we it's not it's not it's not cow specific we do fun cow things our clinics are really about honing the difference you know the mental skills cutting skills sandy the rain cow horse raining boxing the retreats Mm -hmm. are general horsemanship and trail riding and personal work yeah. I just wanted to throw in that that the, the yeah. disciplines anyone can come to the dis- to the. I mean, who wouldn't want to go to this? This to me is like every uh, woman's dream to you know probably a men's too, but I you know I talked to a lot of women so to uh, to get there and also not to mention the accountability to our horses too. Like we want to be better for our horses too, right? I mean, it's fun to accomplish and win and have a goal, but sometimes don't you feel like I hate letting my, my horse down again, you know, by just not learning that that one thing. Yeah. 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 Thank you gals. This has been, I mean, I hope people will, where do, where do people go to find out more about the clinics and how do they get a hold of you and how do we share this? Well, we have a Facebook page to be unstoppable. And I think if you search, you know, be unstoppable, Sandy Collier and Barbara Schulte, Get it. you know, that will distinguish. Yeah, because there's right. several of the unstoppable pages. But And right now, that is where our schedule is. That's where all of our events are. That's where anyone can sign up to receive our free articles. Either Sandy or myself, we write an article every yeah. other week on some, yeah. dis- on some topic okay. that we each... You know, they, it, it rotates. And within when people receive those articles in their inbox, that has the most comprehensive, up-to-date okay. list of where we are and, and our schedule. Good. I mean, you guys, your writers, your speakers, your clinicians, your – what do you do between 2 and 4 a.m.? I don't know how you have the time <laughs> to do all, all that well, you do, but we're really glad you do. Well, sometimes we, we we're not sleeping. We're trying to sleep. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we we, we, it, we helps wake it, up. it helps that as you get older, you, you start waking up at three you in the sleep morning. Sleep less. <laughs> so that we've added. I've added a few hours to my day just by aging. 
<laughs> oh my gosh. Well, I, I just think your energy is amazing. I'm just privileged to have you on, on Horsemanship Radio. And I, I hope a lot of people will go look you up and get excited about it along with me. And I hope to have you both back to hear about 2019 and, and your, your journey. I look forward to getting more from your writing too and, and stay inspired and carry it off into the arena with us too. Thank you well, thank so you very much, Debbie. It's been, an, uh, it's been an honor honor to be here. That's my pleasure. Cavallo Horse and Rider, Carol and Greg Giles, too, have been longtime supporters of the Horsemanship Radio, and we thought, you know what better way to show how their support goes than through the people who buy their boots? So we have this from Brenna Eldridge on a Facebook post. I could not be happier with my decision to transition my horse to barefoot and choosing Cavallo for his hoof protection. I always thought my horse just had bad feet and that he would always be lame barefoot until I realized that I was enabling that dependency. By allowing his feet to adapt back to the way that they were naturally intended, his feet have become strong and he now seems perfectly comfortable barefoot. With the added weight of a rider on rough terrain, I invested in my first pair of Cavallo boots. I went with the Trek boots, and they fit him perfectly. I was able to do anything that I could do in metal shoes, and I have no longer stress over him losing a metal shoe and damaging his hoof when removed. The Cavallo boots have provided him greater shock absorbencies when riding on hard ground, and so far, whether it be on trails or in the arena, he seems extremely comfortable in his boots. I do a variety of riding, including trails, gaming, and drill, and I'm excited to get into the gaming season to put truly those boots to test. I believe that in horsemanship, you have to pick methods that make the most sense to you. And for me, that is the naturality of barefoot and the protection of the Cavallo boots. Brenna. And up next, we have June Tabor as our second guest. June Tabor is hitting her stride with over 47 years of training horses. She grew up knowing that she understood horses from very early on. She always wanted to be a horse trainer and started out with a Welsh pony and then a half Arabian, eventually gravitating to the American paint horse drawn to their color. She won many world's championships and multiple state titles in halter, Western pleasure, trail, hunter under saddle, and Western riding. Then reining horses became her passion. Drawing from her experience in the Western pleasure training, June loves training horses and teaching people to achieve their dreams as well. Well, welcome, June Tabor. I'm so excited to have you on. Thank you very much. I'm excited to be on. Yeah, this is new to you, I guess. I'm I'm glad it's your pleasure. I I can't believe you don't give interviews left and right. I've had so much fun getting to know you, and we wanted to get you to know you a little bit more. We're so impressed with what you've done, but I'd like you to start back a little bit. We all are horsey girls here, and Mm. Jen, my producer, has been around horses her whole life, and I believe you have too. But give us a little background of you getting introduced to horses as a as a child. Oh my gosh, uh, that would probably that would stem, you know, to my my grandparents. My my grandfather was probably the the horsey vein of my blood, and I grew up with them my whole life, and probably really growing up and still do, I think I was a horse in a past life, I'm pretty sure. So <laughs> growing, up, growing up as a child, I was pretty much a horse. And uh, they raised POA ponies. So I would, you know, be the one to get on a bareback with a halter and, you know, 
see how many times I could get bucked off and get back on and go trotting down the, the road, you know, on these unbroke uh, pasture ponies. And, you know, it just went from there. I started with a, a Welsh pony and, and showed and always knew I was going to be a trainer, even though I was told many times over that it'll never happen. You could never do it. You'll never be, you know, you're not going to be successful. You're crazy. You need to do this. You need to do that. And I just said, this is what I want to do. And this is what I'm going to do. And, and, uh, now many, many years later, I am still doing it. (laughs) You are. Why do you think that they thought you wouldn't be successful? I'm just curious about those Debbie Downers. I think because, yeah, I think at that time they probably it's a hard business it's a hard Mm -hmm. world and I've of course found that out later in life that you know it it isn't easy it's and it's not just all about you know you and the horse you're dealing with people and you're dealing with you know just a lot of other things that probably growing up I I'm just going to train horses and that's all I have to do and Mm -hmm. why wouldn't that be fun and why can't I make a living and you know and I just, I think they were probably more afraid I was going to fail, but I'm sort of the kind of personality that if someone says I can't do it mm-hmm. and I want to do it, I'm going to do everything I can to prove people wrong. So that's pretty what, much what I did. But I, I can say it, it's it's not an easy business and it's definitely not for everyone. Definitely not for everyone. Now that I've been doing it, you know, 47 years or so it's it's not for everyone even though you love horses it doesn't mean you're cut out to you know being a as a business long term i mm-hmm. i can't say it's been easy but it's been very rewarding and i would change nothing that's and we'll great. do it till the day i you know can't can't get on anymore <laughs> yeah yeah good yeah. for you good for you and yeah. what I, I what i like to hear too is that 47 years ago it was a, a lot more of a man's yeah. world in the in the top of the industry for sure <laughs> And it still is. I mean, it it really still is. I think even, you know, as a woman, even now, you you have to really prove yourself. Um, You know, I don't know. You have to work a little harder, I think. I mean, we still call it a man's world. I mean, the the first year I, I won the world in Western Pleasure, you know, that was very much a man's world. And I won it two years in a row. And, of course, when I did, it was quite the glory because the top, men trainers were standing behind me <laughs> for, mm-hmm. for once. And I was the first woman in APHA, which is American Paint Horse Association, to win the halter in age stallions. I was the first woman to do that. And it's still very hard. And that whole time I was told, your horse will never win unless a man is handling him. Mm-hmm. And I was reserved two years in a row, and I would not give in to that. So I finally won it the third year. Good girl. And name the horses. I knew I, yeah, I knew I had the best horse. So yeah, no name name the horses. Give us a little a uh, little glory to those that horses. That horse, the halter stallion was his name was obsessed to impress, and he was a horse I saw at four days old on his mother, wow. at a ranch in Paso Robles, and I saw him at four days old, and I had to have him. Mm-hmm. I just he peeked around his mother. He was very shy. And he peeked around, kind of looked at me, and I was obsessed, and <laughs> I had to have him. And I came home with him, you know, uh, after he was weaned, and he was one of the greatest horses in the history of halter horses back then in the Paint Horse Association. So that was, you know, quite a, a feat. And, yeah. you know, a lot of people just getting into it now 
probably don't know that because, you know, they weren't in it in those years. The people that were there in the stands, they remember. You know, yeah, that was exactly. In, yeah, you don't forget things like 90, that. Yeah, 1994 is when I 94. won that. And then that same year I won uh, four world titles in Western Pleasure on another mare I saw when she was a yearling and she was at the world show and I kept seeing her all week going, what horse is that? What horse is that? Why is she here? She's not showing. What's her well, name? I ended up with her cause I had to have her. Her okay. name was good ending. Good she ending. was one of the greatest pleasure horses that awesome. you could ever ride. And probably just as good if she was to do it again now where mm-hmm. a lot of horses, you know, as time goes on, they, the ones that won 20 years ago couldn't win right. now. She right. could definitely hold her. That own. is true. What have you yeah. seen? I mean, I, I have such a rare opportunity to ask somebody who's been in this business at a high level for so long. That yeah. I see that in the reigning too, where horses that were amazing athletes oh, yeah. and trained well and everything couldn't yeah. do what some of the horses do today. What, no, what's, it's what's the going styles have changed. It's just changed as so much. The their form and their headsets and their the, every it's just things have changed so much so much and the pleasure you know the western pleasure unfortunately i i've been in that for many years unfortunately it's really gone downhill because I, my opinion of that is the younger generation of trainers they were they showed horses and saw this evolution of you know how slow can we get them to go yeah and then we have absolutely lost the true movement of a horse and yeah. it's really really given the the western pleasure horses a bad reputation and i have to say it's true i mean i yeah. see it and i still have pleasure horses but i don't you know i try not to let them fall into that category but it's Dictate very hard that. i think yeah. yeah, the trainers of today are just, you know, they showed and they didn't really learn the mechanics of a horse. So is that judges though, or, or is that, well, the, way- the hard part about the judges is, um, you know, like they're trying to change the whole, you know, industry and it's not going to happen until the judges stop picking those horses. Yeah, And that's, we're not seeing it. They're still picking them. And to me, and I don't judge because I do not want a judge's card. I don't want to judge because I no one would like me. I I would be too, I'd probably be too honest. You're too honest, yeah. That's good. That's I would be good. too honest because uh, no one would play. So I'd be like, everyone's disqualified. Yeah. No one horse in this class is moving like they should. I'm sorry. And then I would be hated, and I really don't want to be hated. So I, I can't imagine too. anybody hating you, June. You're the well, sweetest person, as a but judge, it's a good idea. They probably would. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Good idea. Yeah. As a judge, I'd probably be too honest, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't have the answers. I've just seen it really evolve in strange ways. I think in the reigning part of it, I think it has evolved in a upswing. The horses are so athletic and so beautiful, and they have so much more finesse. There's a lot of trainers that that, that put a little more pressure on the horses than, you know, I think they should, but, you know, it's... it's, uh, there's just different trainers out there, but the whole reigning world has just blossomed. I mean, yeah, it just has, I think so it, and there's no stopping. There's no yeah. stopping the reigning. Is that it's a combination just, of trainers and do you think it's nutrition and, and, and muscling and, you know, what we do with our horses these days too? Or do you think it's mostly I think about it's the tra- everything? It's everything. I mean, the breeding and the pedigrees and the, it's like breeding racehorses. I mean, yeah. you, 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 you know, which 
which bloodlines should cross and it just becomes a very scientific process and the reigning is the same thing it's just become there's certain stallions that have just become these incredible sires and then over the years you know which mares they cross with and it's very very much like the the reigning or the racehorse world you know everybody wants that kentucky derby winner and it's the same in the reigning everyone wants that fraturity winner you know and Mm-hmm. You just try to breed and breed and breed to try to get it. And, and, you know, there's only one winner every year and out of, you know, probably hundreds and thousands of babies born. But uh, everybody hopes for that that yeah. superstar. How do you pick sure. your horses? Do you like to see them as a baby like you described earlier with a couple of them? Or do you now, what do you do with the Rainers when you purchase? Uh, you know, it, 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 it varies. I mean, I, I love the babies and I love the challenge of, seeing a baby and picking it with that superstar in mind. Um, and it, and it happens. And, and then sometimes we call it the falling star, you know, we think, Oh, this is, this is it. And people have paid top dollar, a lot of money. And, you know, it just didn't grow up with the desire. It had the talent, but it didn't have that extra edge similar to the racehorse. You know, the Kentucky yeah, Derby winner is going to be the one that has that extra edge might not even be the, fastest whores or whatever but it's they have that heart and that edge to want to be the winner they have to want to be the winner too so that's true you can pick the breeding a pedigree the beauty the but once they start training is when they really show you what they have so I do like buying the two-year-olds and already seeing them broke because it kind of gives you an idea of their mind and their talent whereas the babies you're just going by pedigree beauty and well, both parents are world champions. We're going to hope this one's a world mm, champion. Cross your fingers, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, yeah, so I think a lot of people don't actually believe that horses ha- horses' heart have a lot to do with the competitive edge. Yeah, um, they do. It, they the, do. They're just like athletes like any other athlete, you know, like humans, you know, f- football players, whatever. you got to have the desire to win if you're going to be good. And it's the same with the horses, along with training and you know, it's, it's a team, it's a team sport with horses. It's horse rider. You're the team. So the team has to work together. The team has to be on the same page. And, you know, it's, it's definitely a a challenge and an art and, but you have to have that horse that has that desire also, you know, there's some that just go, nah, I really don't want to. No, I'm good. I'll stay over here. (laughs) Yeah. You and I talked about some hunter jumpers that started off as racehorses that didn't want to. And yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and there's a lot and, of history when you live long enough. Yeah. yeah. See, as a, as a, you know, a teenager growing up, I worked with ranches with hunter jumpers and dressage horses, and we were always going to the track and finding either slightly broken down horses that could still be serviceably sound and go jump or horses that just didn't want to run. And I was amazed as a child, you know, I, I was probably 12, 13. And, and I was amazed at these horses that we would get for, like $600. And so I was like, damn. And then they would make them these incredible jumpers, hunters and jumpers and sell for amazing amounts. And they went on to great homes, you know, which was. Yes. Yeah. Repurposing. It is. It's a a great uh, hobby to get into. Yeah. It's, it's hard now, I think with horses and and, you know, the racehorses that don't run, you know, where do they go? And, and even the show horses, people breed or people breed just to breed, which I think is so wrong. I think that yeah. I really think there should I'm be glad. some sort of criteria, even dogs. I feel the yeah. same way. I just feel like there should just be some sort of, 
you know, criteria to even allow you to breed. But mm-hmm. again, I, that's just my opinion. And I, I don't know, know if we're not, we're not hard. king yet. I know. <laughs> no, yeah. so it's just it. sad because there are a lot of horses, you know, I have people yeah. involved in rescues and stuff and it's sad because there's been a, a lot of show horses. Um, God, a couple of years ago, it was the, a dual, I think it was dual pep and he was mm-hmm. just this world champion, a cutting horse, incredible stallion. And some, somehow he fell through the cracks and was in a kill pen and Crazy he got, saw, you know, good old Facebook saw him and the original breeder, uh, Babcock, uh, bought him back and he lived his days, you know, but it was just incredible that this amazing horse and one day someone loved him and he was a champion and he ended up in the kill pen and that's and just, just, yeah. It just shouldn't but, happen. Uh, yeah, I guess social no. media does have its its velvet lining. Some well. advantages. It has a <laughs> yeah. lot of advantages. Some are negative, but you know, you try not to. Yeah. You know. Well, how did you how did you turn the corner and go into reigning? As now your reputation uh, is hard to find I anything know. that you. Do. Yeah. You're doing I, I great. Did my yeah, I I I bought a reining horse for my own hobby because I figured I loved horses, a hobby of any other sorts I had no interest in. So <laughs> yeah, what better <laughs> hobby but a horse? Yeah. And I started out with roping, you know, I roped and I had my rope horse and that was my hobby and outlet. And then I didn't have time to go roping anymore because I got so busy and so I bought a reiner. And I did it for fun. Next thing you know, my client wants a rainer. All right. Well, next thing you know, I have a barn of rainers and <laughs> it's my, I, it's my love. And I love my pleasure horses. I've loved my past of halter horses and trail horses and showing. I'm very competitive when I show, but the raining has just taken me like, forget it. I'm never going I'm back kidding. to anything oh, else. <laughs> you are so good at it. We hope you don't. I, I watched no. uh, the results of the August uh, 2018 Raining by the Bay, that 20th uh-huh. anniversary, that beautiful show that they have up there. And oh, you took beautiful. reserve champion up there. We um, did. We have a few buckles from Raining by the Bay. It's one of my, one of my favorite shows because the, the area is so beautiful and it's, Brumley management just puts on the best shows. They put on quite a few a year. Woodside, which is raining by the bay, Vegas at South Point, and Arizona, which is called the Cactus Classic. They just put on really big raining shows. Well, so tell us about that win. win. Tell us about your, your whole experience there. It sounded really cool. You you were reserve champion on Vaquero in a Mask. I love that. Vaquero in a Mask, yes. One of my faves, and he retired this year, which made me extremely sad because all the horses are basically mine. So I personally, you know, especially the ones I show, and he retired this year and went home, and I cried as if he was, you know, leaving like we sold him, but he only went home to his family and I was very sad. Yeah, you did so well. And, and, and there's so many talented horse people, uh, riders, horses, everything. Cr- incredible money up there too. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I saw a quote from Al Dunning, who is, uh, you know, a name that we've had here. Uh, it's, yeah. He said, he said it was definitely the best outdoor reigning competition experience unmatched anywhere in the country, which it is, is. It really is. Yeah, it is. I mean, it draws top, top rainers. And I mean, there's the great thing about raining is there's different levels for everybody, even in the trainer part, you know, there's 
you have limited, you have the intermediate, you have level ones, level twos, level three, and then you have the level fours. There's so many different levels for all trainers and non-pros that show. And that's one of the great things about the reigning. You're not, you know, if you're just, you know, starting out, you you don't have to compete with the level four rider or even the non-pros, you know, there's green as grass and there's just different, you know, you can build your way up to competing in the, the higher level. So I lo- I love that about the reigning where any other real discipline, you know, you're pretty much, you could, it could be your first year and you got to go compete with somebody that's been showing for 20 years. So right. I do, I do love the reigning for that. I think it's great. And they're just uh, an incredible uh, growing industry, constantly growing and constantly, you know, trying to make it better. Whereas the others, you know, the pleasure in the trail and halter, halter's very just gone downhill because of the human in, involved. Uh, how can I say it? Uh, inter, uh, I don't know the word. Well, it's a big uh, pendulum swing. It's, it always seems like yeah. a big pendulum swing. We well, go one style, that, other. Yeah, yeah, and I think uh, humans have really ruined it <laughs> you know back in the day as I call it now I didn't think I'd be saying that I am <laughs> now, like your back parents. in the day <laughs> you could take a beautiful horse with great confirmation and go show it in raining and pleasure and barrels and you know you just had that like the quarter horse was supposed to be the quarter yeah. horse was the horse that could go do everything they could race they could go show halter and they could show performance and they were a supreme champion that is non-existent anymore because each category of discipline has become so, um, you know, specialized that that halter horse can't even hardly go trot out of its own circle. It could never go race. It could never, you know, it's just like they've just really ruined the true meaning of the all around quarter horse. I mean, they what really do you think the answer go- for that is to bring that pendulum back to center? Is oh it in gosh. the kids or, you know, will, will I, pony club do it for us? Will 4-H? What, what I don't think there? because it's all the association. It's the industry. It's the judges. It's the, the association has to take control of that. I think, you know, because mm-hmm. we as just exhibitors and trainers, we can't change it as long as the judges are continuing to, to, pick these horses I don't know I don't think mm-hmm. in my lifetime I'm ever gonna I'm ever gonna see it change you know because it's just almost well it doesn't feel know. like it but you know I'm mm-hmm. seeing the changes in dressage though um that when yeah. the when the Olympics happened in London I think there was a turning of a of a corner there to some degree when they said that they they could not really judge between the first and second the gold and the silver mm-hmm. except for one thing and the one uh-huh. thing was harmony and I thought, uh-huh. wow, now there is a word I like to hear between yeah. horse and rider. And I thought and I'd like never heard team. anything like that. Yeah, yeah. the team yeah. thing, exactly that's, what yeah, you were saying. Yeah, that's that team thing. Yeah, you have to be in harmony. You have to have a team thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's for sure. And that's so what I the think, reigning. I think it can happen. I'm, I'm an optimist that way. Yeah, yeah I, I like know. to think I'm doing <laughs> But, you know, know. I'm, I'm so excited because announcing here – June Tabor is going to be training from Flag is Up Farms and moving from the Moore Park area, which is pretty darn close, but to yeah. our place in Central California. And I'm so excited to bring you into the fold, bring you into the family. We we believe we represent something in the horse industry, and we do take on these challenges of, of change sometimes. And yeah. Um, yeah. we try to do that through... Um, loving on, you know, the, the yeah. horses and, and letting people know that that actually works for them better. But yeah. why did you come to Flag is Up? 
oh my gosh, I mean, why wouldn't I? <laughs> you know, pretty simple answer. <laughs> pretty black and white. Why not? Why? It's just the 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 history, the privilege to even be sitting in this office. I mean, I'm like, I feel like I'm, you know, I feel like I'm in some sort of, you know, dream world right now. And, um, you know, it's just beautiful. I just feel like there's so much that I can offer, so much flag is up can offer. I mean, I just feel like uh, I just, I came in and I walked in and I walked through the barns and I just felt like, oh my gosh, I think this is my new home after 22 years of being in, in one location. And yeah, I mean, I just, We're I'm really sitting excited. here, I'm sitting here looking around going, oh my gosh. <laughs> and well, I, I was, I told, to I had you. said before, I came here, I'm going to say it was like 37 years ago, I was sitting in this office with, with Monty and buying two thoroughbred mares. I have no idea why, how I got here, how I knew these two thoroughbreds were so, I have no idea. I don't remember that, but I remember the two mares' names. I don't know why, I don't, you know, and that's the first time I ever stepped foot in here, but grew up in Santa Barbara. So I, who didn't know flag is up? I mean, that was like, you know, you drive by and just go, Oh my God, who would think I'd be sitting in this office like many years later. We're privileged to have you. We certainly are. I mean, I read an article, actually an article that you wrote. Um, (laughs) This one was, I think you do some, you do some articles occasionally. You're Every a good writer. so often, I get yeah. my creative writing juices going, and then it gets reprinted, and I'm like, "Oh my god!" I was just sort of just speaking out loud. <laughs> speaking out loud. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Well, I love what you said in here. This one, in particular, is about the trainer's mind, um, uh-huh. and I won't, I won't read the whole thing or anything. But I, yeah. I picked out some really good points. I think that that you um, you sort out your struggles and goals and dreams, but you you wake up in the morning with horses on your mind, your horses that you're responsible for, and you go to yeah. bed at night yeah. with horses on your mind. And yeah. I love that in a trainer. I think we all would if we um, if we thought about it for our trainer, that mostly we wanted our trainers to love our horses as much as, yes. as we do. And I and, think a lot of people don't realize how uh, most trainers, I, I mean, I, I think most are, you know, it's your it's your life and it's your, your goals to, to make that horse what the owner is expecting you to make it or make that rider, the rider they dream of being. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes it's not that easy. It's not always an easy process. It's not like someone comes to you and says, well, this is what I want to do. And this is my horse. And, and, and it was a, it was a hunter jumper, but I want to make it a Western pleasure horse or, you know, something like that. And you're kind of going, well, okay, we can try. (laughs) And, you know, but you do everything you can to, you know, make that happen. It's not always easy. So we do. I I speak for myself. I go to bed with horses on my brain 24 seven. It's, I'm not always proud of it because I don't sleep very well. (laughs) I, I wish I could turn that off, but yeah, I mean, I just, the horses are, you know, on my brain all the time. And most of the horses are belong to someone else. They're my client's horses. So a lot of people don't realize really what trainers daily routine is because it's not the same as, you know, those people that own the horse and bring it to you and go home and go about their daily business. And we're trying to make 
something out of this horse and uh it's it's not always an easy yeah, process it's like Some raising their kids more... too yeah, yeah. you know and yeah got it really personal that way so. yeah well it's yeah. been wonderful having you june and now that you're right here Thank i know you. i can have you back <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah i know yeah it won't be hard. And so I, I really appreciate the time that you carved out. I know you're in such a busy time right now getting ready for a February event, yeah. a competition. And it's pretty um, crazy. Yeah. Pretty crazy. <laughs> Moving and changing, yes. Nobody likes change anyway. But after 22 nope. years, you've got all your girlfriends around you who are rallying and helping. And, and that's at least mentally really helpful. I call, it, I, call, I call everybody my villagers. They're my villagers. And I, <laughs> I, I couldn't have the best. I couldn't have any better of a a support group and villagers and long-term friends, long-term clients, and can't wait to meet new, new people and hope, you know, we can all, uh, you know, hope I can make, you know, more well, people. People in the Zanus Valley true. will love you. I'm sure that yeah. you will be, um, you'll be inundated and have to pick and choose, which will be great. And uh, awesome. so, so I will, I'll see you down there. All right. All right. Thank you Thanks very so much. much. Whisper. It's time for Jamie Jennings to fetch an email from Monty Roberts' inbox and share a morsel of Monty's wisdom in a little segment we like to call Ask Monty. Leave this world a better place than mine. The magic in the language of the Dear Monty, do you have any advice for equine veterinarians to make their jobs safer and easier besides using drugs and sedatives to control horses' behavior? Monty's answer. As I travel the world, the question about veterinarians handling horses comes up regularly. I often speak at universities that run courses in veterinary science, and obviously I deal with equine veterinarians on a regular basis. As with farriers, the actions of these professionals have a substantial impact on the behavior of horses. Veterinary and farrier schools can only educate applicants from today's population, and with that in mind, we must realize that fewer and fewer of of our young people are raised in a rural environment. While there are some top-notch young people coming into both professions, most of these seeking to learn these skills are city-reared youngsters, and that being the case, all horse owners must realize that we have an obligation to assist these professionals wherever we can while they are working on the horses we are responsible for. I recommend that horse owners pick the best professionals they can find and, whenever possible, plan to be present when they visit their horses. Young veterinarians and farriers spend less and less time during the course of their education with live horses. It is very difficult for schools to provide the time and the animals necessary to implement what I consider to be an appropriate allotment of hands-on training. Under these circumstances, I feel it's imperative that horse people accept their responsibility for giving farriers and veterinarians the information that they need to carry out their work in an acceptable manner. I often recommend that owners study my concepts with the serious intent of becoming proficient in working with their animals in the absence of violence. I often further recommend that they loan to their professionals the materials that they have used during the process of their education. The weekly question and answer columns posted on my website, my online Monty Roberts University, my books, and the courses taught by Monty Roberts certified instructors worldwide are the primary resources of this information. Information. There is no value in confrontation with your horse or your professional. 
All your dealings with both should take place within an attitude of cooperation. There should be discussions about the intent to become more competent, both as owners and professional service providers. Many of our young professionals desire these opportunities rather than resist them. So if your veterinarian or farrier is reluctant to accept a nonviolent approach, change to another. For more of these insights into good horsemanship, go to www.montyroberts.com and click on the orange banner that says, Get Free Horse Tips. Hi, I'm Monty Roberts, and I'm dedicated to training horses without pain. You can learn to do it too on my Equus Online University. Western, English, the beginner, or the advanced rider. It doesn't matter. You can connect with other students online too on our forum, And there's a new lesson every week. It's a lifetime of learning for you on my Equus Online University at MontyRoberts.com. What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? Where in the world is Monty Roberts? Monty is looking forward to meeting some new friends, two-legged and four-legged, February 15th. That's just wrapping up through 17. That's President's Day on Monday. That's the Equine Facility Management Clinic, EFM, from CHA, the Certified Horsemanship Association. Then February 19 to 21 is a join-up course at Flag is Up Farms. February 22 to 24 is an introductory course, a three-day course, Module 3, at Flag is Up. And February 20 through 24, Monty will hop over to Norway. There's a Norwegian horse festival that he's spending the week there in February 20 through 24. Then March 1 through 3, we have uh, a Module 4, which is the prep for the introductory exams. Then March 4 through 6, we have a join-up course. March 7 through 9, we have a long-lining course. March 9 through 17, Equitana. Anybody who's ever been to the largest horse trade show on earth has been to Essen, Germany, and that's where Equitana is, and Monty will be there with his instructors. Then April 29, when I'm really excited about, April 29 and 30 is at the end of April. It's the movement. We did this last year. That's at Flag is Up Farms in Solvang, California. That's demonstrations, discoveries, and pathways. Really fun. And then July 22nd through 26th, we have Monty's special training, Brazil. So it'll be in Portuguese. And then July 29th through August 2nd, we have Monty's special training, California, in English. And then August 5th through 16th, We have our famous now and really fun Gentling Wild Horses course in California, the one that Jamie's been to. That's awesome. And if you could not commit all of that to memory, and you'd have to be, you know, pretty much a physicist to do that, you can get all of that and more by going to MontyRoberts.com. Or you can call the folks at Flag is Up Farms at 805-688-6288 and talk to a real-life human being who is pleasant and helpful. And for details about today's show, episode number 129, you can go to horsemanshipradio.com where you'll find links, photos, and more information about our guests and topics. And we love your feedback. Best way to give that, go to Facebook, like and follow Monty Roberts. Just type in there, Monty Roberts. Look for the one with the little blue check mark because that's the official Monty Roberts page. And we'd love to hear your feedback there. Or you can do that on Twitter. And his handle on Twitter is Monty underscore Roberts. And brand new Instagram, also Monty underscore Roberts. And if that weren't enough, 
You can get the app to listen to all of the Horse Radio Network shows on your phone, Android, or iPhone. Go to your app store and search Horse Radio Network. Download it today. It's free and easy to use. And caveat, help the less tech-savvy folks in your life download it, too. That's right. Many thanks to our sponsors, too. That's Cavallo Horse and Rider with our new commercial. And we have Omega Fields, our title sponsor. We thank them so much for all they've done over the years. And then also MontyRobertsUniversity.com. And that's our reason for being. Be sure to visit all the other great shows on the Horse Radio Network, too, at www.HorseRadioNetwork.com. Until next time, have many happy horse hours.